Thank you for listening to the Fred Lowry Podcast. We hope this message will inspire and encourage you. Don't forget to connect with Dr. Fred by visiting fredlowry.com. And also connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. There was a very wealthy man who had a friend who was a contractor who built homes. And this wealthy man wanted to do something for his contractor friend. And so he called him over to his home and he said, I want to build a house. And you know a lot more about building houses than I do, so I want you to help me draw the plans. If money were no option, what kind of house would you build? And so they began to work on plans for a house, and they got them just like they wanted. And then the wealthy man said to his contractor friend, I'm going to leave the country. I'll be gone nine months, maybe a year. And I want you to build this home while I'm away. And remember, money is no option. If you run into something and you need some more money, that's no problem. The main thing is I want you to make this the best home you've ever built. And so that man took that assignment and the wealthy man left the country and the contractor began to think about the wealth of his friend. And he didn't have all that money. And he thought, you know, building a house that's this nice with this much money... As a contractor, I know how to cut corners. I know how to do some things inside the house, underneath, not the exterior. Things that he will never know, and I can make thousands of dollars, and he'll never know it. And that's exactly what he did. And he was proud of the fact that the whole time he was building this house, he was pocketing money. And then his friend, the wealthy friend, came back. And when he came back, he called the contractor and said, is the home ready? And the man said, yes. He said, bring me the keys. So the contractor came and brought him the keys to this home. And the wealthy man said, I want to ask you a question. Is it the best home you've ever built? contractor looked at him and said, yes, it is. You used the finest materials money can buy. Yes, I did. The wealthy man said, well, that's exactly what I wanted. Because you see, I love you and I was building the home for you. Here are the keys to your dream home. Let me tell you a couple of truths about that story. One is you can build a house on a firm, strong foundation, or you can build it on a weak foundation, and from the outside, you can't tell the difference. It looks the same. And you know it's like that with people. Basically, every one of you in this room 
look the same as far as you're, you're acting like God's people in this place. You're acting like wonderful Christians and you sing the same songs and you say the same words and you pray the same prayers and you read the same book. But you see, some of you are building your lives on the wrong foundation. See, you look down your row and there's not any way for you to tell about the eternal condition of the soul of anybody on your row. And it may well be that somebody on your row, if that person died today, if the storm of judgment of death came today, that person would not go to heaven, but would actually end up in hell. We could take that a step further and say that person could be you. Because you're counting on the wrong things. You have a works philosophy. You think that somehow if you do good deeds, somehow if you come to church, especially if you come to this church, that you're going to make it to heaven. But that's not what saves us. That's building on the wrong things. That's counting on the wrong things. But listen to me, there are others of you, you know you're believers, you know that, that when you die you're going to heaven, but you, if a storm came into your life this very day, if some tragedy happened, if the props were knocked out from under you, you would collapse, you would go down because you are not living your life practicing, taking in, living out the Word of God. And you'll go down. So you see, these are things we can't tell from the outside. And there's not any way for anybody else to know. But you know whether or not you have a relationship with God that's up to date. You know whether or not you've been with God this morning. You know whether or not you've been in God's Word this week. You know whether or not you're trying to live out your life on your job in a way that would honor God. You know if you're trying to teach your family biblical principles. The second truth from this story is that if we are building our lives on the wrong foundation, we are cheating ourselves. We are the Jesse James of our own life. And that's exactly what this contractor did. He cheated himself. And when you try to take shortcuts, when you ignore the principles of God and you live life like you want to live life, you think that, that if you cheat a little bit, if you get away from God a little bit, if you do what you want to do a little bit, then that way you will be really happy and really successful. But what I want you to know is that you're really wrong. Because if you belong to Jesus Christ, real happiness and real success is in knowing and doing the will of God. Practicing what this book says, living out these principles in your life. There was a family in Miami, Florida, the Gonzalez family, that built their dream home. They had saved and saved and, and worked in order they could build their dream home, and they built it. And when they finished building their dream home and it was ready for them to move in, 
they discovered they had built the house on the wrong lot. Their dream house was on somebody else's lot. That's what some people are doing in this bare room this morning. You're trying to build your life on a foundation that's not solid, it's sand. Because you're buying into the culture of this world. You're sacrificing eternal truths for quick fixes, for temporary happiness, for temporary success. And one day, it'll all crumble. There was a, an ocean drilling and exploration company that built a platform that they thought would withstand the storms. They built this thing 35 stories tall. And they said it would, it would withstand the gale force winds of 115 miles per hour and three knot currents and waves 110 feet tall. And everybody was impressed until the storm came. And when the storm came, that platform went into the Atlantic Ocean. It collapsed. It crumbled, taking 84 souls with it to their death. When the real storm came, it failed. It collapsed. See, what I want you to understand this morning is you think this world is so smart and you listen to so much out there in this secular world, this man-centered world. So many things that sound good. And you may think that your life is simply going great. You're making more, more money than you ever made. You live in a bigger house than you've ever dreamed that you could live in. And everything is just going great for you. But what I'm saying to you is there is a storm around the corner. And you'll only know how well you're doing when the storm comes. And when the storm comes, it's too late. To do foundation work. Hello? When the tragedy comes in the hospital, at the funeral home, it's too late to do foundation work. What God tells us is that we can prepare for the storms before they get here, and we can prepare in such a way that we know what will happen when the storms come. This is the year of the family. And I'm soon to begin a series on parenting. And I want you to understand that if we're going to build homes that last through the storms, homes that make a difference, if we want our children to turn out right, if we want our children to honor God and walk with God, then it is absolutely necessary that we build our lives and we build our homes on the bedrock of eternal truth and that we never ever veer away from that truth in the gospels in matthew 5 chapter 5 6 and 7 we have the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever preached you know it as the Sermon on the Mount. 
words that deal with life as we know it. And Jesus focused on the fundamentals of faith, so profound that it shook the religious world, the religious establishment. It was so simple a child could understand it. It was so powerful that it brought radical change in people's lives. Let me tell you, if you wonder whether or not you really know Jesus personally, I'm going to give you a little test. You cannot come face to face with Jesus Christ and enter into a relationship with him without it radically changing your life. No change, no Christ. And those who heard Jesus Christ preach, they were amazed with the relevance. They, they were astounded by the authority with which this man spoke. He talked about happiness. Happier those who hunger and thirst after God and His truth, His righteousness. He talked about loving one another, even loving our enemies. He talked about forgiveness and about adultery and about divorce and about our attitude. He talked about money and how that we're not to seek treasures on earth. He talked about not judging and not worrying. He said we're to be salt and light. And by the way, since you brought it up, I do wear my religion on my sleeves. You say, preacher, you've been political? No, ma'am. I'm being biblical. Listen to what the Bible says. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Ladies and gentlemen, you cannot be a closet Christian. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. You say you know God and you love God and yet you want to hide your religion, you want to hide your faith, you don't want to talk about it. People don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And by the way, Jesus was the source of the very truth that he taught. How did the crowd respond? In Matthew 7, 28, these words, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. And after he finishes the greatest sermon ever preached, he's not going to conclude the sermon without giving us an opportunity to, re to respond. He wants a verdict. He wants to give an altar call. He gives us the clincher. He wants to wrap it up. We've heard what he has to say. Now he says, I want to take all that I've said, and I've talked about every issue of life, and I want to wrap up what I've said and make it so simple that a child can understand. So simple that anyone on that hillside above the Sea of Galilee on that day could understand what Jesus was saying. And so simple that anyone in this room in this day can understand and apply it in their lives. 
He says, I want you to hear and I want you to heed what I'm saying. I want you to listen and I want you to live it out. He's talking about practical obedience. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is king, that he's king of kings? If you believe that, you've got two choices. If he's king, there are only two choices. Either obey the king or you disobey the king. The only two choices. Obey or disobey. You say, well, now, I, I obey some of the time when it seems good to me, when it sounds right. Listen to me. Let me see the whites of your eyes. Partial obedience is disobedience. That's like these people say, I'm pretty faithful to God. <laughs> you're either faithful or you're unfaithful. It's like saying, I'm pretty faithful to my wife. I just go out on her a couple nights a week. No, you're either faithful or you're unfaithful. You're either obedient or you're disobedient. That's what people don't understand. Because everybody in this room this morning thinks you're pretty good because at least you showed up today. You say, I'm way ahead of that crowd that didn't show up. But God says, if you're just partially doing what I've asked you to do, you're really disobeying me and you're not allowing me to be king and there's going to be a storm coming and you're not going to like the results when it gets here. In setting up this clincher, he asked a question. Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Wow. Why do you bother to come to church and claim to be a Christian and yet live your life as if Christ never existed? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, Lord? He's saying, why do you say sir to me and yes, sir, and that's right, and then you go and live your life paying absolutely no attention to anything I've said? Doesn't it drive you crazy if you say to your child, I mean, you, you lay it out for your child, and your child looks at you and says, yes, sir, I understand, that's right, and then goes and absolutely does the opposite. You say, that drives me crazy. Hello, God has to deal with you. And your Father in heaven. He said, you, you say, you're so polite. You're so nice to me. And you say, yes, sir, that's what I ought to do. And you won't do a thing I tell you. He's saying, you don't get it. But I want you to get it. He says, My, what I say to you are not suggestions that you might want to try. <laughs> Hello? I mean, I'm going to give you eternal lasting truth, absolute truth, truth that will stand you well in life, in sickness, in health, or even in death. 
And what I'm telling you and how I'm telling you to live, these are not merely suggestions, things that you want to try. These are foundation words. They are essential. They are the way to build your life. And if you build it on anything else, your life is not built on a solid foundation. And then he gives us the clincher. He he tells a story about a man who builds his house on a rock and about a man who builds his house on sand. And there's a distinctive difference between these two men. One man hears, internalizes what he hears, and then practices what he hears. The other man, if he hears it all, fails to practice what he hears. And the end result is he lives a life that the Bible says is as weak as sand. If you live your life selfishly, if you're in charge of your own life, if you live a life of self-indulgence, what you're doing is you're building a life as weak as sand. And don't be fooled into thinking because things are okay today, you won't know till the storm, till the big one comes. And then you realize you've been building on sand. Here's what he says, Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. By the way, some of you have heard enough sermons that you should never miss a step in living out the Christian life. But do you understand that just coming and hearing a sermon based solidly on the Word of God does you absolutely no good unless you choose to practice it? The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Now, if you look, the very first word in this 24th verse is therefore. Remember, he's preached the greatest sermon ever preached. And he's talk, he has talked about issues that you and I face this very day. He's talked about life. And he says, therefore based on all that I've said. Here's my conclusion. Here's the clincher. A wise man builds his house upon a rock. A foolish man builds his house on the sand. Only two choices. So that means everybody in this room this morning, you are building your life either on sand or you're building it upon the solid rock. There are only two choices. So there are only two categories in this room, wise and foolish. So you might want to ask yourself this, this morning, am I living wisely or am I living foolishly? You say, I'm not sure whether I'm living wisely or foolishly. If you're not sure, you're probably living foolishly. Hello. <laughs> Just a thought. 
Because to live wisely is to live by this book. To practice these principles. You read about the sinkholes in Florida. Suddenly a car disappears or a house disappears or a road disappears. Why that problem? Because they pump in sand. And all of a sudden that pumped in sand begins to give away and there's this huge hole because those homes are not built on that bedrock. So Jesus says the wise man builds his life on the rock. Well, what is the rock? So that's easy. It's Jesus. Jesus is the rock. Paul said, no other foundation can any man lay than that which has been laid, which is Christ Jesus. Peter said, thou art the Christ. And Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. That hymn that we sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground, notice that, all other ground is sinking sand. It's either Christ the rock or it's sinking sand. You're either living, living wisely or you're living foolishly. You're either building on the right foundation or the wrong foundation. So the first question you need to ask, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Because he is the rock of salvation. And when I say personal relationship, the Bible uses the, the word, it's a word akin to marriage because it's, it's an intimate relationship. Unless you have an intimate personal relationship with Christ. I'm not talking about a relationship with the church or a relationship with the pastor. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ that's personal, that's intimate, that's life-changing. If you don't have that, then your life is not anchored to the rock. And what's going to happen is ultimately the storm of God's judgment comes. You die and you face God at the great white throne judgment and you spend eternity in a devil's hell. See, we just get one life. And we have to make some choices. And the choices we make determine our destiny. So do you know Christ? You know what Jesus does in the same sermon? He points out that people cannot assume that because they've done this or done that, because they've been to church or they've even worked in a church, that they're going to heaven. Look what he says in, in verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There's that word, I never knew you intimately. You don't get to know God just by walking in a church. Or even by joining a church. You can join every church in town and go to hell without Christ. 
not the church. It's a relationship. I never knew you. There's that word, that intimate word. I never knew you in an intimate relationship. Therefore, one day when you stand before God and you say, God, you know me. I work with the children at First Baptist Bossier. I have little old ladies, the widow women. I went and fixed up some houses for the widow women. Lord, you know me. And he says, sorry, I never knew you. I never had an intimate relationship with you. Depart from me. I don't know you. Jesus is saying a personal relationship is the key to building your life on the rock-solid foundation. Acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But that's not what this sermon is about. Because on that hillside above the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is talking to believers. He's talking to believers. And he's talking about discipleship. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about personal discipleship. About living out your faith. He's teaching about a life of continual obedience. The wise man who builds his life on solid rock, not a detached piece of the rock, not a big rock, not even a boulder. But he digs down to the bedrock. And his life is built solidly on the Word of God. You see, there are three things that never change. Number one, God's love for you. Number two, God's Word to you. Number three, God's purpose in you. If you want to know how important God's Word is in your life, I want you to listen up. Let me see the whites of your eyes. Listen up. In 1 Samuel 15, Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices? What is more pleasing to the Lord? Coming to First Baptist Church Bossier and sitting in your favorite seat and even dropping something in the offering plate. What's more pleasing? Our, our obedience to His voice. Listening to him is much better than putting your money in the offering plate. You say, preacher, I got you there because we haven't taken an offering yet, and uh, that lets me off the hook because I've listened to you. Well, if, if you would really listen to what God's saying, we would, we would never, ever have to mention an offering, ever. Since you brought it up. Listening to him is much better than offering the fat of rams. But listen, listen to this. Rebellion is as bad as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. You know what God's saying? God is saying, you bunch of wimpy Baptists. You say you love Christ and you say you belong to him. But you live your life and never even open this book. You don't try to live by the principles of this book. And he says, what you're doing is nothing better than witchcraft. Why? Now that's amazing. It's nothing better than idolatry. 
So the foolish man built his life foolishly. He didn't ask. He didn't listen. He knew all the answers. He didn't seek counsel. He's going to build a big house. Why is it worried about the foundation? You see, size doesn't matter if the foundation isn't stable. Style doesn't matter if the foundation isn't secure. Furnishings are useless if the foundation isn't solid. Cosmetic externals do not endure. We must build into our lives the truth of God's Word. To build into our lives the junk of this world simply will not have the underpinnings we need. And when the storm comes, we'll go under. That's why it says in the sixth chapter of Matthew, in this same sermon, Seek ye first God. If you seek the world, if you seek things, if you seek success, if you seek stuff, you're going to be disappointed. He built foolishly, he built hurriedly. But foundation work is slow and it's tedious. We learned that in building this building. Didn't you get sick and tired of dirt? And you see, they, the dirt that we had here was not good dirt. So what do they do? They dig all the dirt we've got, dig this huge hole and take all that dirt away. And then they bring in better dirt. And then they get out there on the machines and they just go and they go and go day after day, week after week, month after month. But aren't you glad that we have a firm foundation? So when the storm comes. Now the foolish man wasn't against foundations. He was just in a hurry. But God never gets in a hurry. God is interested in long obedience. This is an instant society. We want everything and we want it now. We want to lose weight and do it by Friday. He built superficially. No time or desire for deep work. He wanted instant success. He wanted to make a statement. He wanted everybody to see what he, was, what he had done. Foundations are hidden. Nobody sees that. But my friend, God's work is not superficial and God's work is not quick. It's a process. But then the rains came and the streams rose and the winds blew and the house fell and it fell with a great crash like a sandcastle on the beach. Have you ever walked on the beach and see these beautiful sandcastles that somebody makes there on the beach? Absolutely amazing. And the next day you can't find it because it was a sandcastle. Life can collapse emotionally intellectually, socially, when the storms come. Because let me tell you, storms are inevitable. They are sure. It's not a matter if the storms come. It's only when will they come. Jesus said, in this life you will have storms. And by the way, this storm mentioned in the, in the text was not an exceptional storm. It was just the normal kind of storm that came annually. As surely as night follows day, as surely as the sun rises in the east and sets in the west, storms will come. There are TV preachers that get on there and holler and say, you know, if you'll just do this or that, then you can have all the money that you can have and you can have everything that you want in life and you can just be happy all the time. Don't buy that. Don't buy it. Because it contradicts the teaching of this book. 
Storms are sure. Storms are the same. You know, in this text, the same storm came for the wise man and the foolish man. Storms are coming and they're basically the same. It's true in this room. You're going to have storms in your life. They're basically alike. It's a storm with a rebellious child that breaks your heart, with an illness that's devastating, with an incurable disease like cancer, with a tragic death. As pastor, I'm, I'm dealing with people every week of my life who are going through some storms, but I'm not ever surprised because I've been doing this 44 years. And in every one of those 44 years, I've watched my people go through storms. And they've watched me go through storms. Because if you live, you're going to have storms. Nothing about storms, they come suddenly. And when the storm gets here, it's too late to go work on the foundation, isn't it? This man built on the sand and then the storm came and he lost it all. There was a famous lighthouse that uh, was being built and the engineer declared that it would withstand the storms and there was a lot of questions about it and he says, well I'll tell you what I'll do when we build this lighthouse that first fall when the storms come I will spend the fall in the lighthouse myself and he did and the storms came and the big storm came and the lighthouse went down and he went down with it because you see he thought that he had sunk the shaft deep enough into the bedrock but he had not now here's the bottom line Storms are inevitable. As believers, you're going to go through storms. You're going to have problems. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to have some tribulation. You're going to have accidents. You're going to have some tragedy in your life. And if I, if I could talk to you across this room this morning, most everybody in here could tell me that you've either just gotten through a storm, or you're in a storm right now, or you're expecting one soon. Because storms are reality. And what I'm saying to you this morning is the way to, to make it through those storms is to build your life on the solid rock of God's Word. Build your family on the Word of God. Teach your children the principles of God's Word. The best thing you can do for your family is to get into God's Word and build the principles of God's Word into the lives of your family. So that when the storms come, they rely on God's grace and power, and they not only make it through the storms, they come out on the other side stronger than before the storm. But my friend, if you think you can get by just coming to church on Sunday morning and listening to the sermon, and you never get with God and get in God's book, and you never try to live out the Christian faith, or you try to hide your Christianity, or you don't live your life by the principles, when the storm comes, you'll collapse. And you may take your family down with you. So that's for believers. I'll tell you something else, believers. One day you stand not before the great white throne judgment, that's for unbelievers, but for, before the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll give an account 
over how we've lived out our faith. Whether or not we've lived out the principles of God in our lives, fleshed it out. And for those who don't know Christ or you're not sure you know Christ and the judgment of God comes, you say, well, that, that's a long ways away. You're one heartbeat away from eternity, friend. That's it. And then you face God. And you'll either face God with your life solidly on Christ, the solid rock, and you have an intimate personal relationship with Him. And if so, you'll spend eternity with Him. If you do not have that intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what else you've done of religious nature, how many religious activities you have, when you stand before God, the judge, He's going to say, sorry, I do not know you personally. Thank you for listening to the Fred Lowry Podcast. Don't forget to connect with Dr. Fred by visiting fredlowry.com. And also connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok.